And that's the thing about Donovan Mitchell. I mean, he has proven time and time again that he can hit big shots in big situations. And although he showed up for a good chunk of this game, he came through at the end. Which Hello and welcome to the Monday, May 31st edition of the TV on Basketball Podcast with your host, TV. Hope you're all having a fantastic day today and thank you for clicking on to watch or listen to today's episode. Before we start, I do have to plug my other platforms. Remember to follow at TV on Basketball on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for updates on the podcast and for other great content. If you're on YouTube, remember to like, share, and subscribe and hit the notification bell so you won't miss an episode. And for all my podcast listeners, remember to subscribe and leave a review if you're on Apple. That would very much help the algorithm, and I really do appreciate you all. And that's for my Spotify, Anchor, or Podbean listeners. Just continue to show your support in any way possible. Leave a comment. Um, tell me that you listened over there. I definitely should, will shout you guys out. Thank you guys for all your support. I have an awesome show lined up for you today. We're going to talk about um, some awards that have been given out which um, from last week, which I should have really talked about in my Friday episode, but there was just so much to talk about, but we're going to get into them today. And then we're going to talk about just some of the games from the weekend, a lot more stuff coming out um, from these NBA playoffs, and man, it's a getting intense, some very close series, some pretty disappointing series at the same time, but we're going to get through all of them. But yeah, thank you again for all your support. We got a lot of listens on the pod on the podcast last episode, though. Thank you guys for coming on, um, for for coming on to listen. You know, I really do appreciate you all. And yeah, today's gonna be a really good episode. So just sit back, relax, and let's get into the first into the first topic. And we're gonna start off this um, episode of the podcast with some pretty bad news. Um, former All Star Center, um, Utah Jazz legend Mark Eden. Um, died in a bicycle crash on Saturday afternoon. It was announced by the team, by the NBA. Um, yeah, it's just really, really unfortunate what happened to him. He was a pretty good um, Utah Jazz player, especially in the um, mid to late 80s. He was an all-star in 1989, five-time all-defense, two-time defensive player of the year. And like I said, he's a Utah Jazz legend. Um, um, he His number 53 is retired over there. Um, Rudy Gobert had a heartfelt message um, to him because you know he helped him out when um, he when he got to Utah, and a lot of people what he remember about Mark Eden is like it's because of his tall his tall stature, seven foot four. He's just a massive guy, a big body dude, and he was like the perfect center to have as the anchor of your defense during that time of the NBA. And he was really, really, um, you know, he was really, really good at what he did, which is just blocking shots and just being tall which um, he did very well. Only had an 11-year career, um, shortened by injuries, but over 5,000 points, over three and a half blocks a game, which is very, very impressive. Eight rebounds a game. This guy was a good player. This guy was a good player. And for someone who is like, um, just synonymous with the Jazz, died at a very young age, age 64. You know, he didn't even hit it, like, he hit 65 yet. It's unfortunate. It's very, very unfortunate. And my condolences go out to him um, and his family. Yeah, just to see, and hard to see an, another member of the NBA family have to go. So, rest in peace, Mark Eden. It's a, it's a bad way to start the podcast, but yeah, rest in peace to him. Um, hope his family is doing all right. 
and hopefully there's going to be some sort of um, tribute to him. Maybe, um, maybe in today's game, who knows? We'll have to wait and see, but rest in peace, Mark Eden. Moving on to some of the awards that were um, that were given out the last week. Like I said, I should have maybe slipped this into the uh, into the episode, but there was just so much ready to talk about um, because I had to recap so much from the series. But we're going to talk about them today. Two awards have been announced. Let's start with the Sixth Man of the Year. The Sixth Man of the Year is officially Jordan Clarkson of the Utah Jazz. In this category, you had him, you had his teammate Joe Ingles, and you had Derrick Rose of the New York Knicks. And what I like about at least these Zoom interviews in terms of when it comes to like NBA awards and stuff, it's kind of how the creative ways of of um, how they're able to present these awards. Dating back to last year, you had um, um, the one that clearly stands out to me was the Nick Nurse one, where an NBA on TNT, um, the NBA on TNT crew got his former high school coach, I believe he, he was, and he announced that he won the, um, the coach of the year. And then Fred Van Vliet, Kyle Lowry came, um, came into the room and handed him the award. That was really cool. They did a really good way of just setting those up. And this year, it's more of the same. Because of the Sixth Man of the Year award when Jordan Clarkson won it, it was basically just an interview with him and Joe Ingles, both um, candidates for the award, obviously being on the same team. They're talking about how important each of them they are to the team. And they ended off basically the interview with J- Joe Ingles handing him the award, which was really, really cool. Jordan Clarkson looked legitimately surprised as well, which, I don't know, maybe he doesn't like, keep up with the stuff, but he, for me, he was the clear winner for Sixth Man of the Year. So... You know, it's good to see that type of reaction. I'm happy for the guy. Um, Jordan Carson just had a fantastic year this year. 18 points a game, led all players coming off the bench. Yes, he kind of declined as the season went on, but in terms of just, like, what he has done for this season, he has been absolutely fantastic. Almost 35% from three. Just a vital part to that Utah Jazz team, especially with John Donovan Mitchell out. He had to carry some of the load, and he did a fantastic job of that. So yeah, congratulations to Jordan Carson. I have no issue with this award. Um, in terms of breakdown, I think he won the majority of it. Joe Inko's got some votes, and I don't think Derek Rose even got a first place vote. Um, so yeah, that is also pretty interesting. But yeah, congratulations to Jordan Carson for winning the Sixth Man of the Year award. And another award that was announced um, yesterday, I mean, or last week, was the Most Improved Player Award. And as expected, the most improved player this year goes to Julius Randle. Um, and yeah, like I said, it was just um, e- like it was an easy choice. It was definitely an easy choice. This guy was ha- had a fantastic, fantastic year. Um, hard to say that, especially with him struggling in the playoffs um, right now. But you know, he was still very. I mean, you can't deny how great he was all year. Um, 98 first place votes as well. This guy just was dominating the um, the voting. The, the other the other two um, two first place votes went to Jeremy Grant of the Detroit Pistons. Fair enough. I mean, he just edged out um, uh, Michael Porter in terms of total points. But yeah, congratulations to him. Other guys that got um, votes: Christian Wood, Zach Levine, and Jalen Brown, as well. But yeah, Zion, um, not Zion. Julius Randle absolutely dominated here. Fair enough. This guy has been absolutely fantastical here, and remember, this is a regular season award. <laughs> like, um, um, he definitely did deserve this. And the way that they gave him the award was also pretty cool. They had his son, 
um, carry it through the through the um, through the hallways of Madison Square Garden, and then as um, the New York Knicks were in a practice huddle, he came in. He gave the award to his dad. It was very heartwarming, very very nice. Julius Randle when he most improved, definitely definitely um, worthy of it. I mean the the other two candidates, Michael Porter and Jeremy Grant, they had some pretty um, good years. I mean. Definitely improved in each of their games, but Julius Randle was an easy answer here. Again, no issues with who won this award. At least for these two, at the very least, it felt like it was kind of a runaway for um, both of these um, awards. So sometimes the easy answer is just the most obvious one. So you know, congratulations to both of them. Yeah, let's see. Let's let's see if they can continue through the playoffs. I mean, Julius Randle needs to step up, but Jordan Carson has been solid. Definitely has been solid. Speaking of Jordan Carson, we're going to be starting with just recapping just some of the games from the playoffs over the weekend. Again, we're going to do like the last episode, just go through each series, give my thoughts on the games that happened on the weekend. And we're going to start with the Utah Jazz um, Memphis Grizzlies game. Jazz won game three to take the 2-1 series lead, winning 121-111. to And in this game, basically the Jazz had a comfortable lead. They did. The Grizzlies were keeping themselves in it, but they didn't really have that push to go forward. Until the fourth quarter when they when the Grizzlies just went on this massive run to start. And they had a lead at some point after John Morant um, hit a bucket. Um, and they got the lead 107-105. And it really did feel like the momentum was on the Grizzlies' side. Utah Jazz called a timeout. They came back. And they ended the game on a 16-4 run. I mean, you could talk about Mike Conley. He had a fantastic game that day. You can't even deny how good he's been. Um, he finished the game with 22 points. Um, not 22. He finished with 27 points in this game. Um, very efficient from the field as well. Um, he was just like a good, you know, he kept things afloat. Eight for 16 shooting, six rebounds, eight assists. He was a great point guard for them. And it helped because Donovan Mitchell was struggling for a good portion of this game. But when Donovan Mitchell, um, when the Utah Jazz needed his services the most, he came through, especially during that run at the end of the fourth quarter. Hitting two threes, going to the free throw line. He did just about everything in that final two, three minutes to kind of just seal the game for the Utah Jazz. And he needed every single one of them. Not every single one of those, but that just kind of blew the game wide open. And that's the thing about Donovan Mitchell. I mean, he has proven time and time again that he can hit big shots in big situations. And although he showed for a good chunk of this game, he came through at the end, which is exactly what you want from your superstar type player. And you got to shout out a lot of the guys on the Utah Jazz as well. Another game where they had six players in double figures. Jordan Carson off the bench with 15 points. Rudy Gobert. I do want to shout this guy out because this guy has been so vital to this team on the defensive end. And on the um, as an offensive threat. Because this is not like previous years where Rudy Gobert even struggles to finish at the rim. And is only a lob threat. This guy can go in. Um, he has some touch in the post now. Which is really good for someone like a Rudy Gobert. Obviously, he's just as impactful defensively, averaging almost four blocks a game in this series. And the good thing is, um, besides game one where he fouled out, he hasn't fouled out. So he's able to stay on the court. He's able to nullify Jonas Valanciunas basically in the series and not get him into like positions that he is comfortable in. But, you know, you got to shout out to the Grizzlies in this series as well. John Morant, 28 points in this one. The Grizzlies just kind of... Just couldn't handle the Jazz offense again um, late in this game. 
And Dylan Brooks again. I mean, in these key situations, I think they were the Jazz were up like five or six at this point, and the Grizzlies just needed some offensive um, firepower or something like that. And Dylan Brooks fouled out at a at a very very bad time again. You can look back to that game, the last game of the regular season when they were trying to fight for the eight seed. They had a chance there, but Dylan Brooks fouled out with seven minutes left. I mean. Obviously, it's later in the game for this one, but again, a bad opportune foul for the Memphis Grizzlies, and he came out the game, and that basically sealed it because they don't have that guy to guard Donovan Mitchell anymore, and it's it, it's just different. And Dylan Brooks just needs to get better at that at his game, um, controlling his fouls, not being so like anti all the time. I mean, I know he wants to be physical, but he has to know that he is just an integral part of this team, and they need him on the court for them to succeed. So. Yeah, I mean, the, the Grizzlies th- uh, looked like they were going to have this game, maybe take the 2-1 series lead, but they they gave it up at the end there. Donovan Mitchell played great at the fourth. Mike um, Conley, like I said, played a great game, and they just got some great contributions from their team all around. Now, can the Grizzlies get another one? Maybe, maybe for sure, um, especially if they can, do, you know, maybe get a win in tonight's game in, in Memphis or something like that, but... You know, the Jazz have looked really good. Donovan Mitchell is starting to find a stride. And like they show at the end of the game, they could just go on these offensive bursts. I just do not think the Grizzlies can catch up with them. I'm comfortable with my pick in five. Let's see what happens, but good win for the Jazz. Now let's go to the Suns-Lakers game. One game happened over the weekend, and the Suns tied the series up. The Suns win game four Sunday afternoon, 100-92. to um, in this game, KCP didn't play because of a left knee contusion. And Anthony Davis had to leave in the second half due to a, a left groin injury or something like that, which is like highly unfortunate because the Lakers really were in need of his services. And look, you know, people are going to say that Anthony Davis' injury is the reason why the Suns won. But to be completely honest, if you guys watched the game, you just knew that the Suns were a better team. Chris Paul finally had his had a really good game in this playoff in this in this um, series. He kind of got out of his slump. I mean, he had his best game of the season by far. Led the Suns in scoring with 18 points, which told you the whole story because there was just a lot of just all around contributions from the Phoenix Suns team because it was Aiden with 14, who's still having a fantastic series. Chris Paul with 18, Bridges with 11, 17 from Booker. I mean, it was just a good all around effort. And each of them brought a little something for, um, in order for them to win. And as for the Lakers, after Anthony Davis went down, they just struggled from the uh, um, from uh, offensively. Whether it's just missing shots, Alex Caruso hit some shots, but he also like was missing quite a bit. Same thing with Kuzma. But they had that run at the end. You know, Marcus Saul has been absolutely fantastic this series. Honestly, he's kind of outplayed Drummond in my opinion, and hence the reason why he's getting more minutes. Montrezl Harrell didn't really get to play much. He only played four minutes. And they had those mini runs, but at the end of the day, the Phoenix Suns, they still are a great defensive team. And without Anthony Davis on the floor, they're just a superior offensive team. They played great in this one. Obviously, everyone's going to point to the Anthony Davis injury. that um, That's the reason why they won, but the Suns outplayed them. The Suns um, really outplayed them. You know, LeBron had a good game, stuff like that, 25-12-6, but... He left his like he wasn't aggressive throughout like the majority of the third and the beginning of the fourth and only really tried to take over near the end and I think that was just a little too late. Um, they're gonna need like an aggressive LeBron a lot if they want to win the series, especially with the status of Anthony Davis up in the air. Like, is he gonna play next game? I don't know because 
it's a sore left groin, but I don't know like how long he's gonna be out for. Like this could be a long like I'm not long term, but this is definitely not something that can be done in one day. They have a game tomorrow. I think he's gonna be questionable. And if that's the case, I mean the Suns could just take advantage and take the three two series lead and really have the Lakers on the rope. So game five is extremely pivotal. Watch out for the status of Anthony Davis, because that is 100% going to be a storyline going into the next game. And just how good he's going to be, because, like I said, a left groin injury, that's not something that just goes away in a day. So that's definitely something to look out for. We still don't know if um, Contavious Caldwell-Pope is playing either, so that is definitely something um, to also look out for. And the Lakers just need to get better on the offensive end, just stringing together a good run. They did that a couple times in the fourth, but they can't like sustain them, and they really need that to come through if they want to get a win with or without Anthony Davis. So yeah, the Suns, good win for them. Um, got the series competitive game. Hopefully Chris Paul just continues to get healthy and hopefully he can continue to play at his full powers once again tomorrow night. Nuggets Blazers in this next game, and this one won't go too long because the Blazers just absolutely dominated them in game four to tie the series up, 115-95. No one on the Nuggets really had a good game. Jokic struggled, 16 points on 18 shots. I don't if I remember if memory serves correctly, and I'm just double checking here. None of them really scored over 50% from the field. Yeah, except for Shaq Harrison, who went one for two, and um, Kankar, who went one for one. Yeah, basically any of their key rotation players did not shoot over 50% from the field. Jokic struggled heavy in this one, and the Trailblazers were just led by. The efforts of Norman Powell, 29 points, 11 for 15 shooting, 4 for 4 from 3. He was just fantastic. CJ McCollum, good game, 21 and 8. And they got this win with Lillard playing pretty bad, to be honest. 10 points, 1 out of 10 shooting. Almost had a triple-double, 8 rebounds, 10 assists. But he didn't play good, and the Blazers were still able to get the win. But I do want to mention something, because... If you look at both of these Trailblazers wins, for me, a big reason why they're able to do this is because of something that is like correlated with these wins. And in two of these wins, a big reason why they were able to win was because Yusuf Nurkic didn't foul out. Again, once again today, he only had three personal fouls. And if you look back to that um, game where, um, in game one where they actually got the win over Denver, he had four. And that correlated to the win. Both times in games two and three, he fouled out, and the the Nuggets won those two games. So, I mean, you said Nurkic is not a, a fantastic defender. No one's going to think of him as a defensive player of the year candidate. But in terms of the Trailblazers team, he is their best chance at trying to slow down Nikola Jokic. Well, yesterday, it was more of, or two days ago, it was more of just Jokic struggling, that whole Nuggets team struggling. But Nurkic needs to stay on the court and kind of handle his foul situation if the Blazers want to take the series. Because both these teams are so evenly matched that you need any sort of like matchup possible. And although Yo- obviously no one's going to shut down Jokic, at least Nurkic will do his best to slow him down. And you could tell when he's on the court, he does positive things on the defensive end. And it does lead to victories. In terms of the Nuggets, I mean, they just got to play better in the offensive end. I know that, that they're capable of it. I think they'll be able to bounce back next game. I don't expect them to struggle this badly, but... As I predicted before the series, this is going to be a long series. Both teams so evenly matched. I see no reason why this can't go 7. I really don't see a reason why this doesn't go 7. So, yeah, this is going to be a very interesting game. I believe the next one is going to be tomorrow night as well. Yeah, 9 p.m. Nuggets versus Blazers. 
Glad to see you guys going to take this out. Um, t- um, get the Game 5 win because usually people who win that usually end up winning the series. So let's see what happens. This is going to be a fun series. Next, oh boy, let's talk about this. The Clippers-Mavericks, the 4-5 matchup in the West. The Clippers, the Clippers got the momentum back. They did. I went on a rant on them last, uh, on Friday's episode, and I said that they were one of the biggest catfishes in the league. Um, And I said that in order for them to um, win the series, they're going to have to win both games in Dallas, which I was highly, highly doubtful because I just didn't know if this team had to fight in them. Well, they do because they won both games on Dallas over the weekend. Starting off in Game 3, they won 118-108. Paul George and Kawhi Leonard were just absolutely phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal in those in Game 3. Kawhi finishing with 36. Um, Paul George finishing with 29. And you know, Luka tried in this one. 44 points, 9 rebounds, 9 assists. This guy was just special to watch. But compared to Games 1 and 2, their disappointing catches didn't show up. Cleaver played okay, 14 points on 9 shots, same thing with Jalen Brunson. But Tim Hardaway struggled, he couldn't hit a th- um, couldn't hit an inside shot to save his life. Finney Smith struggled. And then Chris Stapps, poor thing. <laughs> Chris Stapps, Chris Stapps, Chris Stapps. This guy just doesn't want to go inside. And I saw this tweet on Twitter that perfectly sums up Chris Stapps, Porzingis' game. If he has a 4th grader on him, he will still shoot a post fadeaway. And that is highly, highly irritating to watch because this guy is seven foot three. He should be there, getting inside, just shooting over everyone, post fadeaway, dunking on people. But this guy like gets the ball at the elbow and every time just wants to shoot over them, shoot over them, and he's just not hitting those shots. I mean, in this game he was three for ten, and it was highly infuriating to watch because Luka was doing all he can. And in the second quarter, you could tell that his like shoulders, his neck area was was getting sore from just carrying this team, and no one else really like provided that second option for him, which is why they lost. In terms of the Clippers, you know they got production from both Paul George and Kawhi, but Reggie Jackson had a good game, hitting four threes, and Marcus Morris stepped out of his um, three point shooting slump, hitting three for five in this one, and before fouling out. So in that game, you know they got a better all round effort from the Clippers. And they won the supporting cast battle, which was massive because they lost that in both games one and two. So getting that win was absolutely necessary. But in game four, the story going to this is that Luka was questionable before the game, whether he's going to play because of that next train I mentioned earlier. And obviously he was going to play. Luka's just that type of player. But you could tell that it was bothering him the whole game. Like starting from the first quarter, he was grabbing onto it. You could see him grimacing the whole time. And you can tell that kind of affected the Mavericks because they lost this game 106-81. Again, Kawhi Leonard, fantastic. Paul George was very good, especially in that first quarter. Reggie Jackson, once again, 15 points. Nick Batum had 10. They started him at center today. <laughs> they started Nick Batum at center. They played really, really small because they were fine with Chris Porzingis shooting over them over and over again. I mean, Porzingis had a better game here, but... He still hasn't taken advantage of those mismatches that the um, that the Clippers are providing to him. And in this one, the Mavericks scored 81 points, one of the better offenses in the league. So that was very worrying. And Luka struggled heavy, nine for 24, 20, um, 19 points in this one. They even had to bring bring in Boban Marjanovic, man. He had 12 and six, but this guy was struggling hard on the defensive end. And I get once again the. 
Um, the stars didn't show up for the Dallas Mavericks. I mean, this game was just a wash. Starting at the very beginning, this game was just a wash. And the Clippers were able to pull out a big, big victory here. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's unfortunate for Dallas, but they just lost all momentum of the series. The Clippers playing well on the defensive end, which they haven't shown in game one and two. Finally getting their offense going. Playoff Kawhi is just a whole other animal. And you know what? Fair play. Fair play. I was dissing this team all Friday's episode, and I'm like, I don't think they have it in them to fight back in this. And they were able to, especially that game 3-1 was very, very impressive because they were able to... Um, um, nullify the supporting cast of the Dallas Mavericks and they were able to get production from their um, supporting cast as well so you know what fair play to the Clippers they're able to bounce back in this game and they have all the momentum now in my opinion but can the Mavericks bounce back will Luka's um, injury affect them more I think it will but the good thing about this is that their next game is on Wednesday so they have two days of rest here today and tomorrow so hopefully it starts getting better. He said it got better throughout the game, but they need Luka at his full powers if they're even going to have a chance against this Clippers team. Because KP, for me, is just not doing it for them. Hopefully they can get another good game from Tim Hardaway Jr. Um, Jalen Brunson as well. Hopefully he can have a big game next one. Because if they lose this one against the um, LA Clippers, it does look like it's going to be a Clippers in six with the way the momentum is. But you never know. Luka Doncic is a phenomenal player. And I expect them to bounce back in this one. And hopefully the Dallas Mavericks supporting catchers bounce back. Because they just have not been playing good these last two games. And honestly, they just cannot stop Kawhi in this one. I mean, Kawhi has finally turned it on. He has been fantastic all series. One of the best performers in this first round. Just in general in the NBA. He is phenomenal. Let's see if the Mavericks are going to bounce back. Because... They have a lot of question marks. Are their supporting guys going to step up? Is Luka's injury still going to um, um, hurt him throughout this entire game? Who knows? But the Clippers have the momentum. Although Sergi Baca, they don't have in their lineup, they have, they're fine with what they have. And as long as Kawhi and Paul George continue to perform, they'll be good. Um, yeah, the Clippers look like they're going to win this series in six, but let's see if the Mavericks are going to bounce back. Now let's move on to the East. And hopefully this one shouldn't take as long because... Yeah, the East. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So we're going to start off with the 1-8 matchup. This one should be pretty quick. The Philly wins game three to take a 3-0 series lead, 132-102. to All i got to say in this game is that Philly has dominated all series. Embiid, once again, fantastic, 36 points. And just fire Scott Brooks. <laughs> if you're the Wizards, just fire him. This guy just doesn't like make any adjustments in the game plan whatsoever. I think the 76ers in this game hit like 19 threes or something like that. Something along those lines. Um, sorry, 17, not 19. 17 threes. And he just wouldn't defend them. Every single time, they just like went under the screens. Open three after open three. The, they shot 52% from three. Easy as you like. And yeah, the series is over for the Wizards. Triple-double for Russell Westbrook, though. But um, Bradley Beal struggled. And like I said, if the Wizards want to get a win here, they're going to need like a 50-point game from Bradley Beal and a efficient triple-double from Westbrook. And it doesn't look like that's going to happen. 76ers and four. <laughs> Just 76ers and four. This game, yeah, this, this series has not been fun to watch. Next series we're going to talk about, which was a definitely got a lot, a lot more interesting because of the game, because of game three. The Nets Celtics after this weekend is now at 3-1 in the Nets' favor. Because the Celtics won game three. 
Um, they won 125-119. Big win for the Boston Celtics in this one. And they did it with just a great all-around effort. But obviously, the one person we got to point to for another fantastic game was Jason Tatum. Another 50-burger in this postseason. 50 points, 6 rebounds, 7 assists on 30 shots. Hitting 5 threes was efficient as hell from the free throw line. Jason Tatum is just a phenomenal player. And he was able to single-handedly... Actually, not even single-handedly. I want to give some, um, some love to the Boston supporting cast because they actually came through in this game. But... Great offensive performance from Tatum. He is definitely a top 15 player in my books. He is just a phenomenal basketball player. But you also got to shout out the Boston Celtics supporting cast here. Marcus Smart with 23. Tristan Thompson dominating the boards. 19 points, 13 rebounds. And Fournier just chipping in. 4 threes, 17 points. And you're just getting a little bit from Kemba. I mean, he struggled a bit. He struggled heavily, 6 points. But Van- uh, Romeo Langford with 2 threes. Um, Greg Williams came in, hit a couple shots. You know, good win for the Boston Celtics, especially because they were able to take advantage of the Nets struggling because James Harden had a really good game, KD had a really good game, but everyone else struggled. I mean, Kyrie, 16 points on 17 shots, and there was just a lot after that. So Boston Celtics saw this opportunity to get a win, and they got it. You know, good for them. I said I would give the Celtics one game because of a Tatum go-off game, and... There it was. That was a game I expected to happen, and they were able to pull through, so good on them. But things came back down to earth in the Game 4 game. Um, Nets win 141-126. Kyrie Irving bounced back huge in this game. He played phenomenal. 39 points, 11 rebounds. KD with 42. Harden with 23-18. and That's just the Nets at their full powers. 141 points in regulation. 14 points from Bruce Brown. 14 from Joe Harris. You're not being a team when they're playing that good. Even though the Celtics had a good offensive game too. Another 40-point performance from Jason Tatum. 16 from Smart. 16 from Fournier. A lot of guys in double-figure scoring, but it's the Nets. So they weren't able to get the win. But the biggest story in this one. Oh boy, oh boy. More fan talk. Because a fan after the game. I mean, Kyrie Irving was dapping up his Nets teammates. Was he a little excessive for stepping on the Boston logo and stuff like that? I would say it's a bit too far. I mean, it's kind of the spirit of the game, but at the same time, I think that was just a bit over the top. But this fan was... Uh, fans, man. Fans, fans, fans. As Kyrie Irving was walking into the tunnel, a water bottle missed him from like two feet. Someone from the stands threw a water bottle. And obviously, the fans pointed it out right away. He got talked to by security. And he was promptly arrested <laughs> from the arena. Apparently, according to um, TD Garden, he not only has had a permanent ban from TD Garden, he's been arrested. So, you know, good for that. You know, f- booing is all good. Booing is all good. Um, seeing the Celtics fans boo Kyrie in Game 3 and Game 4, that's fine. That's 100% fine. But throwing stuff, like, come on now. Come on, I don't know what's happening, man. It's only been like three, four games of um, NBA playoff basketball, and the fans just don't know how to act. I mean, it's been over a year since they've been there, but still. Like, that's just completely uncalled for. I'm glad he got the permanent ban, but fans got to do better, man. They, they think they're invincible. They wouldn't do this to people on the street. They got to do better. And I know people would be like, oh, he stepped on the logo. He asked for this. No. 
No throwing of stuff. Boo him. Boo him all you want. It's just basketball. <laughs> it's just a game. Like, uh, I don't get it, man. I'm, I'm glad he got arrested. That that was disgusting. That was absolutely disgusting. But, yeah, you know, good um, good for T-Guard for just, um, you know, taking care of it right away. I hope that guy, yeah, I don't want to see that guy's face ever again. Um, next year we're going to go into is the Heat Bucks series. And, yeah, the Bucks completed the sweep. They won game four, 120-103. I I mean the Heat were competitive in the first half. They were, but then they they folded in the second half. They lost the second half, sixty three to thirty nine. Giannis with his first ever um, playoff um, triple double, and the Bucks were able to complete the sweep. Not much to say here. The Miami Heat, um, yeah, they just did not play well at all. Besides game one, none of these games were competitive whatsoever. And I know a lot of people are going to say, oh, they're the bubble guppies, they're the bubble heat. It was it was a fluke run. I'm not saying, a, I will never say that a, a playoff run or a Eastern Conference Championship run is a fluke. Because a fluke is a one-game thing. What the Heat did all of last year in the bubble was something special. They did it for three series straight. They looked dominant. And they even took two games off the Lakers. That is just no fluke. A fluke doesn't span over one or two months. I'm sorry, guys. Maybe they benefit from the situation a bit, yeah. But at the same time, that is no fluke. They were just a great team last year. Everything was going their way. This year, I mean, it was just a bad year. Like I mentioned last um, last episode, they had a negative net rating going to the playoffs, so maybe that was a good indicator of how they were going to do the series. But they got to look themselves in the mirror, and they got to make some moves in the offseason. And as for the Bucks, they played great. Giannis, great in the series. Um, great stuff from the supporting cast. Drew Holiday looks like a huge difference maker. And I'm just excited for when they face the Brooklyn Nets next round. Yes, I'm already just calling the Celtics, but th- let's be honest, the Nets are going to win. But yeah, I'm just really excited for that um, Bucks nets series next round. But before we go into that, I'm going to give out my series awards. I'm going to try to start doing this like when a series is over with. Here are my series awards for the Nets um, for, this, um, for this Bucks Heat series. If I had to go MVP in this series, I had to go Giannis. 23.5 points a game, 15 rebounds, almost 8 assists. This guy had a good playoff run here. Um, hopefully he can continue the next round, but this guy played well. Struggled in the first game, but he played very well after that. And like I said, he got his first ever um, playoff triple-double, so good for him. He was the best player in the series, and it wasn't even close. Best bench player in the series in terms of both teams. I got to go give it to Brent Forbes, 15 points per game. But hear this, over 50% from the field, 48.5% from three. And he did this with missing like all four of his attempts in game one. But in the final three games, 16 threes, 16 threes in those final three games. Brent Forbes is just absolutely fantastic in this one. And they're going to need his um, production um, next series because Dante DiVincenzo, it's out, man. He's out with injury. He's not even going to play the remainder of this postseason. I think it was like a severe sprain or something like that. Um, get a little soon to Dante DiVincenzo. But with that being said, the the Bucks supporting cast needs to step up. And Brent Forbes needs to be one of them because he was great this series. Most disappointing player. You, you can go with a lot of Heat players here, but I'm going to go with Jimmy Butler. 14 points a game, 7 rebounds, 7 assists. But t- under 30% from the field, 26% from three. Ew, ew, ew. Yeah, Jimmy Butler was just not good whatsoever in this series. And he said before the series that he was stupidly locked in. Yeah, if this is stupidly locked in, this is, I, I don't want that. I don't want that at all. 
But yeah, any Heat player you could really put here. You could put Bam, you could put Hero. But I went with their star man. Jimmy Butler just did not come to play. And then my favorite mode from the series has to be the Middleton game winner. Um, game one, the only competitive game in the series. 109-107 win for the Milwaukee Bucks. Middleton came up big. He just came up big and hit um, probably the um, the biggest shot of his career. Good um, good one from Chris Middleton. And I'm just excited for this Bucks team to go forward. So, yeah, those are my series awards. Let me know down below whether you agree or disagree. And now the final series to end off this episode, the New York Knicks versus the Atlanta Hawks. Hawks win both games, man. Game 3, they won 105-94. Um, another good um, game from Trey Young in this one. He he just came up big in this one. 21 points, 14 assists, setting people up. And just some good um, help from his supporting cast. 13 points from Capella, 15 from Bogdanovich, um, 14 from John Collins, who um, bounced back pretty big because he had a zero-point game the game beforehand. And then Gallinari and Herter coming off the bench, just spraying away from three, hitting seven combined. And then the Knicks, I mean, Julius Randle struggled once again. And in this game, the only reason it was even remotely close is because of Derrick Rose's 30 points. And I'm going to go into the Knicks a bit later, but you can't be relying on Derrick Rose to give you this high production if you want to win a series. Because in Game 4, they struggled once again. 113-96, Atlanta won, like I said. And again, another Trey Young um, masterclass, 27 points, 9 assists. And if you look at um, the Knicks, I mean, Julius Randle... Probably had a better game in this one. You know, 23 points, 10 rebounds, 7 assists. But again, on 19 shots, and he just did not play well. He just did it. RJ Barrett had a pretty good bounce back game, 21 points in this one. But yeah, the offense just did not come through. And the biggest thing I want to talk about the Knicks here is kind of, yes, they played well in the regular season. But the type of game that they play in the regular season does not translate into the playoffs. They did a lot of iso ball. They were second last in assists in the NBA. I mean, was this really going to work in the playoffs? This was one of my biggest concerns because you got a you got a Hawks team where they got shooters all over the place. Bogdanovich, Herder, Gallinari, DeAndre Hunter has improved there. John Collins is a respectable three-point shooter. You got Lou Williams as well. Trey Young, one of the best three-point shooters in the league. They, they just can't match up. No matter how much good defense they play, they're just not going to be able to match up offensively. And you could see that from the majority of the series. I mean, game two, yes, they won. But that was on the backs of just their fans just kind of pushing them through it. And Derrick Rose having a pretty big game. And the thing about Derrick Rose, I mean, he has been their best player all series long. In terms of this, um, in terms of this playoff run, Derrick Rose... Has been great. 23 points a game, 5 assists, 4 rebounds, 50, 50, um, 50% from the field, 50% from 3, and hasn't missed a free throw. He's been fantastic. But he can be your leading scorer if you want to win a series. I mean, he's just an older guy. He, he cannot put the offense on his back like he used to. And that all comes down to Julius Randle struggling. I talked about earlier how he won most improved player, but he is not playing like that guy in this playoffs. He's trying to be aggressive, but this ISO game is, is just not working. Um, the the Hawks are collapsing on him. He just doesn't know what to do with it. Um, he's had a lot of problems w um, with turnovers and stuff like that. He's averaging over um, four turnovers a game in this series. He has just not played like himself. And when you're not um, moving the ball around like the Hawks are doing and stuff like that, your offense gets really stale. And that's what's happening with the New York Knicks right now. It's just stale. And just, there's just no juice in it. 
Like I said, you can play all the defense you want on this Hawks team, but eventually they're going to be hitting threes. They have the best player in this series, and now they have this advantage going into New York in Game 5. Now, can the Knicks come back in the series? Yes, but it's do or die for them. Their fans need to come through and kind of push this team further in this next game, and then they got to win one Atlanta, and hopefully it goes home to New York for them. But right now, it just doesn't look good. It doesn't look good in this series so far. They had, um, um, they honestly, it's really just hard for them just to even crack 100 points. And, yeah, they just look like they're struggling heavily. They're not getting great. Um, after since game one, they're not really getting much out of Alec Burks. Um, Toppin had a good game last game, but, yeah, the, the next offense just doesn't look good. While the Hawks are getting everyone involved, Trey Young's getting everyone involved, and he's just playing at a high level, so... Man, the Hawks are playing good right now, and it looks like they have just full control of the series because their offense is just um, is just better than the, the Knicks, and their defense is average enough where they can just handle them. So, you know, good two wins for the Atlanta Hawks. I mean, the Knicks going to have to pull out a, uh, a big one here in Madison Square Garden, but it's going to be tough. It's definitely going to be tough. But yeah, those are all the playoff series. Let me know down below what you guys think. Do you agree with any of my takes? Do you have any thoughts on the series? Just let me know down in the comment section of here. My Instagram page. Um, just let me know. Even shoot me a DM. But I think this is where we're going to end this episode. Thank you guys for watching or listening. Remember to show love on all the podcast channels. Like, share, and subscribe if you're on YouTube. And remember to follow at TV on Basketball on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. On Friday, I'm hoping to have another guest on the show to talk some more NBA playoffs. So be on the lookout for that. Um, so yeah, just great NBA playoff content going forward. Check out my Instagram page for some, again, some great NBA content. And I'm going to be start um, tweeting more. I'm still kind of getting used to it, but I'm, I'm going to try to especially do it in tonight's games as well. And also catch me on the, this Just In um, show tonight at 8 p.m. Whenever you listen to this, it's um, I'm going to be there on Monday Eastern. So 8 p.m. Eastern. So that should be fun. And yeah, hopefully another guest on Friday. It's just should be some great playoff content coming for you, um, coming for you guys um, going forward. But yeah, thank you guys for all the support. Hope you have a fantastic day. Take it easy, guys. TV signing out. Peace.